0: You're listening to a sermon by New Hill Church. We pray this message helps you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have questions about this message, a previous message, or about a relationship with Jesus, please email us at engageandnewhilloh.com. All right, good morning, church. Just want to remind everybody, you scan that QR code, that's where you're going to find the lyrics today. The next time we uh, have lyrics on the 29th, of November at the church building we will have to back up on the, the wall like on the screen right it's really exciting um, we're going to continue to have announcements where they are you can find those always but uh, make sure for the last two songs after the the message this morning scan that if you haven't already and you can find the lyrics there if you don't know how to scan like that's just a little confusing you can go to newhilloh.com slash worship um, scanning just makes it a little bit easier uh, if your phone will do that uh, with that being said, Church, I'm excited to be in the Word of God with us this morning. As you all know, this is our last service at the Moose Lodge. Um, kind of it's just bittersweet, right? And I was thinking, how can we how can we end this thing, right? How do we how do we end our time here, reminding ourselves that it doesn't matter where we are on a Sunday morning; it's about how we live and interact according to the Word of God as the church, right? The lowercase c, church. How do we interact? How do we go about our life? How do we go about sharing the Word of God? And I thought it fitting to to go back to where we very first started. Not many of you were here for the very first message here, Um, but if you were, for the very first preview service back May 7th. Of 2017, then um, you probably already forgot it by now. So, this is actually a new message, right, for everybody. Uh, but this is one of my, my favorite passages to be in. If you want, you can go ahead and turn to Acts 17. That's where we're going to be this morning. But as we, we look at this text, I want us to, to just focus on this one main point. I'm not going to have supporting points for doing this, this one main point, and that's that we are to put Jesus into perspective by personally engaging with our community. It's a big one, right? We are to be putting Jesus into perspective by personally engaging with our community. And this is so important to finish with in our time here because we started with this, and guess what, church? We're going to continue to build on this because this is what God has called us to do is that as we are going, we are making disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus has commanded them. And we do that by personally engaging, by putting Jesus in the perspective, by personally engaging with our community. And we get this perfect example from Paul here. And I want to remind you, you're, you're going to see Paul, and he's really in a foreign land to himself, right? Some would say he's out of his element. And a lot of us, my, myself not included in this, can relate to being on mission trips. How many of you have all been to like overseas mission trips, right? Or, or another country, or how about another state? You can continue to raise your hand. I'm just trying to So we've got a lot of people who've been on these mission trips, and, and typically what you'll find is, is you, this person will go, maybe some of you will have gone to this other state, this other country, this foreign land, maybe you go to West Virginia where I'm from, it'll feel like a foreign land, like you're not even in America anymore, <laughs> Right? But you go there and you find yourself loosening up like you're able to talk in a way that you couldn't talk back home and you come back with these stories of of the Lord was working the Lord used me to, to share the gospel and the Lord saved so many people it was so awesome to see this it was so awesome to get to speak and we we had that celebration service right you're at your church your home church whoever sent you out maybe it was a guest church and you tell these wonderful stories and then after that Sunday, you just go back to your regular, everyday living, and then you wait for the next mission trip, and then you're like, I cannot wait for another opportunity to get to go and to share the gospel and get to be this big evangelist, and then just step back and we start to ask ourselves, are we sharing the gospel where we are? Do we care about our neighbor's souls as much as we do the foreigner's souls? Now let me tell you, they should all be important. This is not a, a trick question, like oh, well, my neighbors should be more important than foreigners, so I can just treat foreigners poorly, and I can start sharing the, neighbor, the gospel with my neighbors. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is it becomes so easy when we go somewhere else to, to be someone else. When Christ has called us to be like him, here, now, and forever for eternity, because he saved us. So the challenge is here, church, is are we putting Jesus in perspective? Are we personally engaging with our neighbors? Are we doing these things? Well, Acts 17, picking up in verse 6, let me just read the rest of Acts 17, we'll be here for a second. It says, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seemed to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you were very And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you of this again. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, um, among whom were Dionysus, the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Word of God for us this morning, church. Fathers, we come here this morning for the Moose Lodge for the final time. I pray that our, our hearts wouldn't be set on the time we had here and, and dwell in, in the days here and, and the times we enjoyed here. I pray that uh, others of us wouldn't have our eyes set on on a building. It wouldn't be set on, on four walls. It wouldn't be set on any one thing other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that, that we would see, especially here today, from your word, not our own. From, from the, the true meaning, not our own understanding. God, that we would see that we are to go out. We are to be the church. And God, I pray that we, we would not forsake the gathering. I pray that we would not forsake the, the, the assembly of the saints. I pray that we would continue to faithfully meet with one another inside of a building where you were glorified, your name is lifted high, praises are sung. But I pray, God, that we do not become complacent in our walk. I pray that we would go out, we would be a light in the world, and we would call others to walk with you. God, and through the, the faithful ministry of each and every saint here, Pray that you would use them to draw people to yourself. I pray that you would save people because of the ministry of the ministers here at New Hill Church. God, pray that you would help us to lean not on our own understanding this morning, but help us to see Paul and follow Paul as he was clearly following you and pointing people to you. God, may we put you and your son into perspective this morning and forevermore. And I pray that we would go out and help others do the same. In Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen. So we look at this, this text, and again, Paul is a foreigner in this land. But you've got to remember, Paul was just a foreigner anyway. He's just on the go. But what he's not teaching us is that this is what we need to do when we're, we're out of our city and out of our country and out of our state, whatever it might be. But we are to always do this. Paul was doing this because he was a Christian. Not just because he was a, a church planter, right, where he's planting churches, right? That, that's something that we have to, to fight against that pastors are the proclaimers of God's Word. No, all Christians are to proclaim the Word of God. All Christians are to make disciples That make disciples. This is not a pastoral thing. This is not a mission trip thing, though these things do have no mission trips. This is a way of living, Christian living. We have this understanding of orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is right understanding, right? That you have the the sound doctrine in your head, the, the true and In fact, true meaning of God's word, that's orthodoxy, sound doctrine. Orthopraxy is right practice. Let me say this, because it's not always clear to all Christians um, in America. God cares what we believe, and God cares what we do. Because when we believe the word of God, we will live according to the word of God. So Paul is showing us orthopraxy. Because he already believes and has a right belief of the Great Commission, we're seeing right way of living played out. Notice verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of what, church? Idols. He sees that they have all of these altars, all of these idols, altars given up for idols. He does not see Jesus. He sees all of these things being placed before the one true God. Let me ask you, as you drive through Medina, as you drive through northeast Ohio, do you drive through Ohio, do you see the same thing? Do you see cities full of idols? Yes, yeah. 100%. Especially here in Cleveland, we idolize our sports teams. For what reason? I don't know. We get nothing in return from them. A bunch of misery. We, here's the thing. We still have hope, but here's what's going to happen. There's a, a good chance. Let me say, I, I've still got hope. I'm still riding on the, the high horse, right? The, the Browns are making the playoffs. They're going to kill it. 10-6, I'm calling it here. It's on a recording. I can't go back on it. 10-6, that's where they're going to go. I'll explain it later. But there's a chance, right? Like when we watch the Cowboys game, and you start to see that, that, that lead go away. We're like, the Browns are just being the Browns. And we just, we know it, but we still just elevate them to this position that they, they shouldn't be in. And I'm not saying don't have fun with sports. not what I'm saying. But think about the things that we do prioritize above God. The things that we do prioritize above worship. And what is worship all about? About worshiping the one true God, bringing Him the glory in which He deserves. We do these things, right? But what does it do with Paul? Paul doesn't just drive by and like, oh, they, they love money or, oh, yeah, look at these authors Yeah, oh, look at the, the many gods they have. Oh, look at these statues. They're super pretty, right? Beautiful statues. Oh, architecture's amazing. No, it says that his spirit is provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So we feel these same emotions, church, or, or we should, is when we see people worshiping anything other than Yahweh, it should be provoked, and typically we are. A lot of us we feel that right. Let's give credit where credit to. We feel that it's the Holy Spirit telling you that that's not right. What we do with it is what matters, though. A lot of times we'll walk away and be like, Ah, you know, it's just it's all fun and games, it, it can be fun, and it can have its, its time and its place. But when something enters into being before God or prioritized above God, and it's wrong, so we shouldn't just let it sit. We shouldn't just be provoked. We should take this, the, the provoking of the Spirit inside of us to do what Paul does. What does he do? He's provoked, so he reasoned in verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day. Every day. So he's waiting on his friends, right, to get back. They're, they're on this mission trip, right? They're they're going all around and planting churches, and you know, he's just waiting. So it says every day. See, we like to, to turn our switch on and off. Ah, that sounds like a good opportunity to share the gospel. They they're telling me that life is tough and they don't know what to believe. And they're telling me that that. They just feel like they have the world on, on their, their back, and they're just beat down, and, and they don't have any kind of truth to, to lean on, and there's no hope for them. And they feel like they're working for nothing, but I'm too tired. Been on this long journey, I don't know. Church, there's no on and off switch for us, right? Sometimes it's good to just be exhausted at the end of the day. Not sometimes. It's always good to be exhausted at the end of the day knowing that you faithfully proclaim the truth when God gave you that opportunity. because so God's giving us opportunity. God's actually giving us more opportunity with a church building. And let me tell you, that's not something to, to, to hold above anything else and say, yeah, well now we have a building so we can idolize because there's more opportunity. No, it is a tool for the ministry. So instead of looking for the building, look at the opportunity. What is the opportunity to, opportunity to do to make disciples? We're going to be able to open the the doors of the church more often for more events, for more ministries, for more groups, for more cookout events, for anything. We have there's there's like three or four acres where we can have kids running around in the summer. Right. But it's not just to open the doors; it is to fulfill the Great mission. It is to make disciples from the youngest. Of children that attend to the oldest of people, maybe on their very last breath, to proclaim the gospel to them. There is no on or off switch, and we need to take every opportunity that we are given. And Paul gives us opportunity, and shows us what to do. So he reasoned. He's, 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 he's talking with them. He's conversing with them. And we cannot read this and think that there's no pushback against Paul. We can actually jump to the end, and there's very much pushback. So some mocked when they heard about the resurrection of the dead. They mocked him. I guarantee you, church, he was being mocked throughout this. He got some head nods. He got some mad faces. He got some, like, confused faces. But he faithfully proclaimed every day... Conversing with them. And not just anybody. So some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with them. And some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a creature of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. So they're confused. They call him a babbler, right? And so they took him, uh, took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, May we know this new teaching. Uh, what this new teaching is that you were presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears, and we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all of the Athenians and foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. They literally spent their time here talking about all the new ideas. The Areopagus was just this like realm of discussion for philosophy, for religion. Whatever. And if we're being honest, we're presented with opportunities to do that too. What happened is someone once said, I don't know when it was, I feel like maybe before I was born, that that people are they just hate you when you share the gospel. Now people may hate the message, but when we are personally engaging with the culture and we're building a relationship with them, most of the time you're not going to get tossed to the wayside. But I said most of the time. It will happen, but what has happened is someone said, it always happens, right? The world hates Jesus, and there's going to be moments where they hate us, even our friends just don't like the message, right. but someone made it seem like we can't go out and have a relationship with non-believers, we can't, we can't go out and have friendships with non-believers, and they won't be as deep, they won't be as intimate, they won't be as personal as the relationship with our Christian friends, but they still are friendships. But someone said, they'll hate you, so what happened was the church stopped sharing the gospel. The church stopped being on mission. In church, we've got to reverse that. By reversing that, by making a culture, cultivating a culture of of faithful living, of life on mission. At some point in time, maybe you didn't change, but the culture did. And what happened was you probably felt isolated. You felt like you were the only one. So you didn't give in to that. But you started to feel alone and isolated and burnt out because you were the only one doing it. Church, we need to reverse the culture. We need to go out into the culture and not bring the culture back in here. For so long, we've let the culture come in here and and tell us what we are to do. And this is one of the the biggest culture shock things I tell people. But the church is for believers, not non-believers. Now, if you're here today and you're, like, openly not a believer, you're welcome here. But I'm preaching to the church. I'm preaching to the church of God. I don't mean that in a mean way, but we gather in to go back out, to do exactly what Paul is doing here, engaging with the people, putting Jesus into perspective. So Paul takes this opportunity and does it back down. They bring him, right? It's like he got an inside ticket. When I worked at... um, The electric store back in West Virginia, I worked in a warehouse, and one of my buddies, uh, we were working on on one of our coworkers, trying to share the gospel with him, trying to seek every opportunity we could to just get the gospel into his life, to to be there for him, to care for him. And one of the days, he said, hey, you guys should come on over on Sunday and watch the Texans game. They weren't playing anybody I cared about. I might have been like Texans Colts, and I don't like the Texans. He liked the Texans. This is a big deal. He invited us into his home. With his mom and his dad, who were not believers, with a family full of pagans, but they didn't care. He didn't care. We had built this relationship, we faithfully shared the gospel, but because we, we did more than just invest the gospel, we invested our lives, right? He invited us into his home, into a personal space. We didn't say, no, nah, we don't wanna, we don't wanna go watch the Texans play, right? We don't want to go and, and eat your food. We don't want to go and be around your drunk family all day. No, we said, this is a great opportunity. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Paul goes. Says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive. He just jumps right in. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you were very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. He's passing along altar after altar, idol after idol. The city is full of it. It's what provoked Paul in the first place. He sees this one altar to the unknown God. Church, the men of Athens were so afraid of missing a God. They were so afraid to, to get to the end of their life and this God be like, you worship 12, but you didn't worship me. You couldn't have at least put me like on the depth chart. I couldn't have been on the practice squad, like a little altar, anything. They were so afraid that they would come across face-to-face with God one day, this God that they forgot, that they put an altar there that said to the unknown God. Because then they could stand in front of God and be like, we didn't know your name, but we had a statue for you. They were so afraid of that. And what does Paul do? Paul takes their culture and uses it to point them to Jesus. He uses... The culture to put Jesus into perspective. What's he do with this? He says, I've got an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown? This I proclaim to you. He turns it and points him to Jesus, saying, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples. Made by man. This is like a jab at them, right? The, the folks who really love the the architectural structures of, of all these buildings and temples and, and everything. He says, not nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. God doesn't need anything from us. God deserves everything from us. since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps build their way toward Him and find Him. This is similar to, to what Paul actually writes in Romans, saying that you can you can see through nature that there's a Creator. You can see that there is God, and we take that truth and we suppress it, right? He says, this is, this is what God has done. God has, has tried to point us to him, but we continue to do these things. And then he even, he makes it more personal that it's not just with nature. He says, yet yeah, is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Another cultural point, church, is he's taking one of their, their poets right here. He says, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Now imagine if, if we sat around, you know, the pastors got together, you know, Pastor Gary, Pastor John, Pastor John and myself. We got together every week and we're like, what's the, the newest, and latest lyric? Like, what's the song that everybody's singing? Right? Like, how can we take, like, Old Town Road and, like, like point people to Jesus with that? Right? Like, how can we take one of those lyrics? That's what Paul was doing. Essentially, Paul is, is saying, your own poets have wrote this. But this is true of God. This is true of the one true God, not one of the gods that you've been worshipping. For indeed we are his offspring. So he connects them to Christ. Church, we are connected to the one true God, the creator of all things, because we are in fact made in his image. Therefore we all deserve dignity, respect, honor. But we all need Jesus so what's he do he, he points into that fact and he says being then God's offspring we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone an image formed by the art and imagination of man again taking their idols taking their altars and saying it's all a wash when it's not about Jesus he's taking all of that and putting Jesus into perspective now he's engaging with them right Because, again, something that the the, the church, capital C, right, church across time, all periods, especially now, what we have done, is we've decided not to engage with culture. We've decided that it will ruin our witness if we go out and say anything about secular songs. We've we've decided that if we know anything about any kind of cultural reference, that we actually ruin our witness, and we don't. Now, don't get me wrong. If you go talking about adult videos, and you're like making references based off of the scene that you've seen, I probably wouldn't do that because that's sinful. But when you take general culture, right, and you use it, and you know it, you can better engage. And he does that to point them to Jesus. He doesn't say, I love you all. I love you all's altars. You know God made us in his image He made us? He calls out their altars. He says, being then God's offspring, we not I have to think that God the divine being is like gold, silver, or stone—an image formed by the art and imagination of man. If you're not artsy like me, it's—it's it's tough to imagine. But you can—you can see the art that other people put out. It's spectacular. There was a, a man I met. His name is uh, Chappelle. He's a blind sculptor up in Cleveland. And he told me that and I'm like, this is going to be interesting, right? Like, he's telling me that he's really good. Like, he's humble about it. But you got to see it sometime. Come to an art show. Aubrey and I went up in Cleveland to his art show. I'm so glad we did. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable that he could he could feel his way through that and just create this masterpiece. Paul says, God is not a masterpiece created by man. We don't create our own God. God created us. God created every person. God created everything. He says, he says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all people everywhere do to do what? To repent. What's that mean? It means to turn away from their sin and turn to God. It means to turn away from from their wrong way of living and turn to orthopraxy, right way of living. Man is everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, Jesus. And he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Church, if we understand that we have assurance, we have hope, because Jesus defeated death the grave everything on our behalf. If we understand that Jesus did these things, and we have that joy, which we should, we have that hope, which we do, then well, we should be going out and sharing it. We should be sharing the assurance of hope that we have in Jesus because He defeated death. He defeated death. That's the message that people need to hear. Paul was personally engaging with them so that he could put Jesus into perspective. He wasn't given into their culture. He wasn't given into their words. He was conversing. You can look up some of these words, and I don't have the time. You know, like we could we could jump into the Greek all we want. But the, but the words here are used that Paul actually let them talk back to. That too. But there was this, this spitting out of ideas. It's almost like they would have had a whiteboard. And they're like, Paul's like, oh, you believe this? And they're like, yeah, and what do you believe? And they're, they're tossing out these ideas. So Paul isn't like, give me the microphone and let me talk for 45 minutes and we're done. No, he's no, personally engaging. And now here's, here's where we need the rest, church. We faithfully proclaim, and then we let God do what only God can do. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, what did some do? Some mocked. Some of them gave him another opportunity, saying, we will hear you of this again. Okay? So he's getting a second chance. Some are probably wanting to burn him at the stake now. But then look what God does. But some men join him and believe. Church, salvation is not in our control. We can't speak highly enough. We can't speak or articulate well enough to get somebody into heaven. But we can share faithfully enough. We can be obedient enough in carrying the message and trusting that God will do what only God can do. He will save. He will faithfully save. He is faithful to do so, and we rest in him. We rest in his work. We find assurance in the cross. And because we've experienced joy, because we have hope, we faithfully proclaim. I've talked about it a lot in the past month. Mark four. What's a farmer do? He throws out the seed, he waters it. Watches it, he knows not how it grows. It doesn't stop him from planting. It doesn't stop him from watering. Church, there's there's people in our life today that we feel like we've given up on. We've we've planted the seed and watered long enough that we know that we just stink at growing plants. But when we trust the process and understand it's not our job to grow the plant, it's our job to plant and to water and guess what? Tend to it. When you see it growing, tend to it. We don't just lead people to Christ. We lead people into the Word. We lead people into the truth. We disciple. We make disciples that make disciples. Church, as we end our time here. I want us to be reminded of, of how important that is. Let me, let me say something. We've got four pastors here right now. All of us could come and go. The mission continues. You can leave this church. The mission continues. You can call it putting Jesus in the perspective. You can call it the Great Commission. You can come up with an even cooler catchphrase. It'd be tough to do putting Jesus in perspective. It's pretty cool, but the mission won't change. The location can change. The place of worship can change. Your mission, my mission, our mission, church is to go to make disciples. Guess what we do? In teaching people all that Jesus commanded, we teach them to go. We bring them along as we are going. We do this thing together. You are not on an island here at New Hill Church. We are in this together. And as we move forward, as we reflect on the past, if you've been here, you think about all the things that that God has done here. Remember that the best is yet to come. And this building, and the next building, and whatever building, whatever name change, could come down 30, 40 years from the road. It doesn't matter. The mission doesn't change. We are to live here. Bring heaven down to earth. Be a light in the darkness. And do that together. Church, I just want to pray for us. Dan, you can go ahead and come back up. We're going to sing two more songs, but I just want to I want to pray for for God's word this morning and, and what we heard. But I also just want to pray thank God for the time that we've had here. Pastor Gary uh, will, will close us out this morning, but I just want to I just want to pray for us. Let me say this. Maybe you're the foreigner here today. They're like, I, I don't believe in the gospel. But let me tell you that the times of ignorance, God is overlooked. He commanded everywhere, every person, everywhere, to repent. If you've got questions about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, please come see me after service. Whoever invited you, you can talk to them. If if you invited somebody and they come ask you and you don't know, and you point them to us, it doesn't matter. We're a family here. But I want to talk to you about that. There's no time to waste. The church, let us push forward for the sake of the kingdom of God, not for the sake of New Hill Church, not for the sake of the Moose Lives, not for the sake of 580 North State Road, or we're moving. Not for the sake of anything else other than the gospel and the glory of God. Amen, church. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time that we've had together. I pray that you would just continue to work on our hearts, God. I pray that your spirit right now would fix any of my broken words that went out. God, you would restore them and and you would fix what needs to be fixed. God, I pray for anybody who, who misunderstood something, that your spirit would help them to have a spirit of understanding. To understand the truth of your word. God, each and every Sunday you called us to, to gather around your word with one another. And I pray that we continue to build on this. That the truth of your word is what we need. Not the, the thought of our own. Not, not our opinion. But your truth. As Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. We need your word. We need the right way of understanding. We need the right way of practice. We need to faithfully follow you if you've called us to follow you. That's so I pray that you would continue to grow this church family together. I pray that you would just show us the way in which we should grow. God, I pray for the person who self-isolated, they feel alone in this mission. I pray that you would encourage them through your spirit to help them see that they're not alone. And we would see that we need to do this thing together from Sunday morning serving to outreach offense, or whatever it might be. That we do this thing together for your glory and your glory alone. We thank you for the time that we've had here at the Moose. I pray for the Moose. I pray for Dennis, and I pray that you would just use him to be a light in the darkness here to to continue to just invest in and and sow into people's lives. Here at the Moose, as as some people will wonder where the church went, the, the Mooses Church, where did it go? Brother pray that Dennis would say, hey, we're still gathering, we're still worshiping to come. God, we thank you for, for those you've brought here and our time here. We praise you for who you've saved here and our time here. All the baptism, the obedience. God, we thank you for our church family through the tough times that we've gone through. God, we pray for those missing and those we haven't met yet. That God, as we continue pushing forward, that we would go, we would engage with people where they are, and that we would put Jesus in perspective. Lord, we know that the best is yet to come. We just pray that you would continue to guide us in the way in which we are to go, that we'd be faithful, faithful, faithful to the end. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for sending your Son to God for us. Help us to go out and glorify your name. This is Jesus' name, amen.